0: Hallelujah. Recorded live. I am glad you all have joined us tonight. And those who will momentarily, I want to say thank you for joining us on this broadcast and on this call. I am Minister Keisha Rand of Cynthia Ministries, and I wanted to say welcome, welcome. And this topic tonight is for the group Fertile Faith. The Fertile Faith group is a group of... um, Christian believers, couples, and individuals who are believing God for children. And what this is is a weekly uh, Bible study that allows us to just dive into the importance of preparing for those children, not just waiting for them, hoping for them, but actually being ready to minister to them, to raise them. And so what we're going to do tonight is just Go through the the, the scriptures and and see what God is saying to us tonight. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all those who listen to this broadcast, those who were on the uh, conference call who wish to remain anonymous. Lord, I, I pray that you cause the words that you want to come forth, to come forth strong, Lord God. Father, I pray and I ask that you cause our faith to increase Help, Lord God, those who are struggling in unbelief, those who are battling doubt, those who aren't sure if you are listening to their prayers, those who aren't sure that you even care. Lord, let your word answer all of those issues so that in the name of Jesus and because of what Jesus did, we will be successful in every endeavor that we have in front of us, including becoming parents. So I pray for each one of those, Lord God, who are battling with the thought that it's just not fair, that we don't have children. It's not fair. Lord, why? Why? Why me? Those are the questions, Lord God, we want to have answered, and only through your word. So we thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, as I mentioned when I was praying, um, some people grapple with that question of fairness when it comes to why they have children. I mean, why they don't have children. And I have seen some horrible, horrible um, countenances on, on, on the faces of people who are angry, who are sorrowful, who are worried, who have given up completely. And I asked the Lord what he wanted to say tonight for our very, this is our second Fertile Faith Group meeting, uh, study time. And the Lord told me that we should take a look at Joseph. And I'm thinking, okay. And I started to prepare that, you know, to study that. And then I started thinking of all the other uh, usual suspects, the ones who did not have children, the ones who um, could not, you know, conceive, Initially, they had tried for years, years and years and nothing. But the Lord told me to look at Joseph because every example in Scripture is there for, for our learning, is there for us to gather, to gain from. And by the way, for those of you who are um, on the broadcast and you do not want to comment here because your comments will be recorded and seen by everyone else, I need you to call me. When they're simultaneously on a conference call. So if you call the number, which is 724 444 7444, and the ID is 140812, and the pound sign. So again, that number is 724 444 7444, and then the ID number is 140812. So if you call in, and then that way I can hear your questions and it won't be on this um, visual uh, periscope. Now, it's just not fair. No children? Why? That question doesn't seem to be answered effectively enough. You can never answer a barren womb, the Bible says. The grave is never satisfied. There's some things that just cannot be satisfied. And someone who wants children and they have not had children or have been told they cannot and will not have children is not fair. What do you mean, no children? What do you mean I'll never have kids? That's what they've been told. And maybe that's what you've been told. But let's look at this individual whose story that. We all know so well, but well, let's take another look at it. Okay, we're going to start in um, Genesis chapter thirty-seven, in verse one through eleven. We find out that Joseph was seventeen when he found out about his destiny. Okay, well, let's take a look there. I'm going to read to you that passage. Just not the whole passage. Just I just going to highlight a couple of parts parts of it, starting uh, in verse one. Um. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was seeing the flock with his brethren. I'm going to pause there and I'm going to skip down to verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren. Okay? Skip a little bit further. Verse 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. So in that passage there, we have two accounts of Joseph having a dream of what his destiny would be. He dreamed that he would lead. He dreamed that he would um, be a great, great leader. He dreamed that his family would actually be under him, even though he was the youngest at the time and even though he was the one that was hated by all his brothers. He was the one that had this dream twice over that he would lead them. And I like that And they started being, you know, cruel to him, they hated him, and they couldn't speak peaceably to him at all, which you can read that in the text. And some of you have had this dream of being a parent, and you dreamed it since you were probably children yourself, and you just cannot imagine yourself not being a parent, and why should you imagine yourself any other way? So when you are told by a doctor or told by um, a specialist that you will never have children, that you cannot have children. What was your dream? What was the destiny that God gave you? What was it that God showed you? What is it that is in your heart? What is moving you? Because it's not just that you want to have kids because it's just one of the things in life you want to check off. It's not that it's insignificant to you or it doesn't matter. Or you wouldn't see it was unfair. You would say, oh, well, I guess it's not for me. It's not for everybody. But if it's really weighing on your heart, if it's really troubling to you, if it really hurts you, then by all means, that dream is more is more to it than just you having a child. There's a destiny attached to this child. There's something great. There's a legacy. There's a purpose. There's a, and not that all children don't have a purpose and a destiny and a legacy, but I'm speaking of the difference, the differential of greatness. I'm speaking of when someone is born to change the world, when someone has, like like Moses, when he was born and his parents, they noticed that he was different. They had already had children. He was not their firstborn child, but they could tell when he was an infant that this child had a calling on his life, and they could not just let the circumstances of that day just ruin that, just change that, and they made a decision to do something to make sure that this child was protected. Now, when we see this, and you not and, and, and we see this at this, time, when he was just still a child, my question to you is, what, not only what is your dream and what is your destiny? But if you're not sure and if you can't answer that, then my next statement will be, ask the Lord to show you. Show you what your destiny is. Show you what your purpose is. Show you what it is that you're supposed to be moving towards, what you're supposed to be pursuing, believing for, praying for, on your face and fasting for. What is your destiny? What is the vision? What is the dream? What am I supposed to be? You know, I have this dream of having children. I have this dream of being a a, a, a father, a mother. So with that, if it's that seriously um, deep inside of your heart, then you have got to refuse to let that go, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the doctors have said to you, no matter what anyone has said. They may have said, oh, there's always been someone in our family who can't have children. Can I just tell you, you cannot... Run your life based on someone else's experiences. You are not um, any longer in a place where whatever happens to your mother or your grandmother, or your grandfather, your great, you know, all your ancestors does not have to happen to you. You have to believe God for your life, for yourself. And so, what we're studying tonight is when it seems like things is just not fair. And I'm not going to say seems like, I'm going to say it's not fair. It's just not fair when you've been waiting for children and you can't have them or you've been told you can't have them. No, that's not fair. So Joseph was 17 years old. He has a dream, and he shares his dream with the ones who are supposed to love him and look after him. And what happens? They hate him. That is not fair. That is just not fair. So they sell him as a slave. It's the second thing that happens. I want you to look at. Genesis 39, verse 1. Verse 1 says, "In Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So now he's a slave. He went from being hated in his own household, which was bad, which was not fair, and now he's been purchased as a slave sold by his own cousins and ultimately his brothers. But what we notice in the passage, if we read further on, we see, that Joseph conducted himself in a way that was excellent. Verse 2 says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So you've been given this report, or you have been led to believe that you cannot have children, which is not fair, and you feel Uh, all kinds of disdain and and sorrow and sadness and and, and all the things that come with that news. And then you have a decision to make. Are you going to conduct yourself in a way that is excellent? Are you going to serve God anyway? Even though the situation is as bad as bad can be, you always have the choice in how you react how you respond, you know what I'm saying? So Joseph is our example for tonight. Joseph is, is the person that was studying his behavior, his ways. He decided to be productive anyway. He decided to go on anyway, even though he was a slave, hated by his family, sold by his cousins, okay, and his brothers. And he chooses that even though he's a slave with no pay, with no chance of you know, going to further his own life, no chance as it appeared to ever have a legacy and to ever see that dream happen. He chose to not sulk about it. He chose to not allow himself to fall into a depression. He chose to be productive. He chose to keep moving. He chose to keep going. He chose to keep living. He chose to keep working in a positive way with excellence he did his absolute best, and he knew the difference because earlier in the in the the, the passage, in the in the earlier chapters we see that he gave his father a bad report about his brothers, how they were conducting business was not good. Okay, so let's go to the next thing we noticed about Joseph. Okay, verse twenty of the same chapter, chapter thirty nine, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, we just went from bad, being hated by his his father's um, sons, to worse, to become a slave, to awful. Now, he's in prison. Now, this is just not fair. And I know that we've heard the story of Joseph again and again, but we need to hear it again and again because you know what? Life can be unfair again and again. Day after day, you can find yourself facing unfair situations, and you can find yourself uh, month to month having your hope built up, thinking that this is it, this is it, and then it doesn't happen. But what God is wanting us to grasp on tonight is the, the unfairness is not supposed to be your focus. What you're supposed to be focusing on is what God is saying. Focus on the dream. Focus on the destiny. Focus on the future that he has before you, not what's outside of your grasp. Because Joseph being hated in his family was not fair. Joseph being a slave was not fair. Joseph being put in prison, that was not fair. And in each of those situations, and you need to understand, blessings will pass on from child to child, generation to generation. How is Joseph going to have um, children as a slave? How is Joseph going to have uh, children as a prisoner? As a slave, you may have marginal rights. You might have, you know, your your slave master might just fail you enough to grant you, well, I'll allow you to marry. Not likely, but it could happen. It did happen, okay? Maybe not to who you wanted, but as a slave, you did have the option of being married, and therefore you could have children. But as a prisoner, or oh, you did not have that right. So that's why the situation was worse. We look at the situation as being bad because now he's not free. No, it was bad because now he could not have children. Joseph was in a situation where he could not have children, first as a slave and now as a prisoner. He definitely was not going to be getting married and have children as a prisoner. So even though he had had the dream and even though the destiny was placed in front of him and he saw it in detail, he could explain it and share it, here he is in a situation that was totally opposite of any opportunity for him to see that vision come to pass. And some of you have been told the same thing. Where you are now, this dream of yours will never happen. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is just not true. So let's look at Joseph a little bit more, okay? <laughs> I'm going to ask you another question, too. First, I asked you, if you've dreamed a dream concerning children, If you and I don't mean necessarily a visual dream in, in where you're sleeping, but I mean even the way that you've had this, this yearning, this calling, this desire in your heart to have children, and you know what great things you want to do with your children. And if you have not had that in clarity, to ask the Lord to reveal to you what the destiny of your children will be. Second question I asked you was, how are you conducting yourself despite the circumstances? Are you remaining positive? Are you still worshiping God? Are you still serving him wholeheartedly? Are you allowing what seems to be a horrible, horrible circumstance dictate to you how to conduct yourself? You know this that his behavior got the attention of someone who did not believe in God. And isn't that what we're supposed to do, be a witness? So the next question is, when Joseph's situation decreased, he did not decrease along with his situation. So when it went from, you know, you're a slave and you might not get married, therefore you might not have children, you may not have a legacy, even though you dreamed it. Now it went from that to, wow, now you're a prisoner and you are definitely not going to get married and you are not going to have children. You will not have a legacy. You will not pass on anything in prison. So the situation decreased. It became worse. But he didn't. We know that while in prison, he continued to serve God by being an honorable man to serve God by being faithful where he was. That's a powerful, powerful decision that we make every day. Or you can decide to just be mad at the world or sad all the time or frustrated. It's always, always a choice, always. Next thing we want to know is about Joseph. Chapter 41. We're we're not going to read this whole story. We're just going to kind of highlight some of the points that we need to, to, to see. And this, this point is, is, is even, we're seeing the the digression of everything that's going on. We're seeing kind of it getting lower and lower and lower. You know, it's, it just seems like he's going, just when you think he could he's going lower, he goes lower. And guess what? This next place that he goes is lower still. And this is about as low as it goes. Now, Joseph was exonerated. He was promoted. So we're thinking, that's great, right? Hmm. I want you to look at at chapter 41. I want you to look at verse 45. Look at this. Let's start with verse 42. Well, verse 41. 41, 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, "Bow the knee," And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, "I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt." And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, Zahananatheiah. And he gave them to wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. And Joseph went over all the land of Egypt. Now, let's stop there. Because Joseph, you know, we would think, oh, this is great. Now he's, you know, top dog. He's the governor. He's the right-hand man to the Pharaoh. Right? But two things happen here. In verse 45, he changed his name. Zephanath okay, he named him after a god. And then he had him to marry the daughter of the priest of On. This is where they worshiped his son, okay? And since that position, historically, was a hereditary position, it is quite possible that his daughter, the priest's daughter, was a priestess so now he's married this wasn't love this wasn't someone someone he pursued this wasn't a daughter of of Israel, uh, you know of the israelites this was not one of god's people this wasn't someone that god chose you know what i'm saying this was a priestess at the very least the daughter of the priest and so now joseph is marrying into this where he's surrounded even more so if he wasn't surrounded enough by all the, the the god's and all of the, you know, he was still a slave. Now, you think this is not fair. Now, only now that he is out of prison, he is out of slavery, 99% out of slavery, right? But now he's married to someone where he can't really worship God. Look at who his father was. So that's just not fair. I mean, just when you think, oh, wow, Joseph, now you're out of out of prison, you're out of slavery, and now you got a wife, but this wife was not just a wife, she was a that's just not fair, so now he's going to have children who are going to be taught how to worship God oh, it just so how's the blessing of the Lord going to pass through him now right so we see that the story just going on on and on and on and on it seemed like he was stuck he is stuck in this Egyptian culture where they're worshiping gods. You see the name after the god, the god of handicraft. I guess because they, they, the pharaoh saw him as very useful and very wise. And so, of course, he names him after the god of handicraft. And he has him to marry the priest's daughter. So he's got all this going on. Every time someone says his name, they're calling him after God. Can you imagine what that does to his spirit? Can you imagine what it does when like someone keeps coming at you, coming to you saying things that are not so? Oh, you're too old to have kids. I want you to see the correlation of this. I want you to see the parallel between what wasn't fair then and what's not fair now so that you can see the other side of this. Joseph still conducted himself excellently, positively. He was still productive. He was still going forward, right? My next question to you. Is have you ever felt stuck, stuck in your circumstance or where you are. You've been diagnosed. You've been told something. You've had these experiences. And as a result, you feel like, well, that's just where I am. And nothing's going to change at this point in my life, so I might as well just take it. You know, you're just, you know, different than Joseph. Your situation is really no different because what did he want? Just like anyone else wanted, he wanted to have children that he could pass on his father's faith to. Could he do that where he was? No. It was almost as if he didn't have children at all. Hmm. Hmm. So let's go further in his story. Okay? When he did have children, he had two boys. He named the first one Manasseh. And, oh, I didn't give you the text. And that's 4151. I want you to look at what he said, what he said when he named his children, verse fifty-one. Uh, let's 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 go with verse fifty. Unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. Okay, which? Where was I, I lost my place? Which Aseneth, okay, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of Bear unto him, and Joseph called the name of the first Manasseh, for God said he has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That is a powerful statement. He wanted to forget all of his toil and all his father's house. I can't ignore that. we got to look at that because he is, after all he went through, okay, with being, you know, hated in his house, he didn't do anything wrong. That wasn't fair. And then being sold into slavery. For what? By his own family? Not fair. And then to be uh, falsely accused and thrown into prison, again, not fair. And now he's exalted, right? But instead of him being released, he gets appointed to a high position that he cannot escape, and he's stuck there. So he has children, and the first child he has He says, I'm just going to forget my father's house. I'm just going to forget all that I went through, forget everything I've been, you know, toiling for, all that I've been working for and I've been waiting for, believing for, standing for I'm just going to forget everything. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we get to a point in our lives where we just want to forget everything we've been waiting for, holding on to, believing for, hoping for praying for, fasting for. We just want to say, just forget it. Just, Manasseh, just forget it. And you, we cannot let ourselves get to that place. We can't. We cannot. Because that's not faith. You have to hold on. You have to still believe. You have to keep going. have to. You have to. Notice what he named the second child, verse 52. and the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. He was embracing where he was. He's like, well, God is still with me. I'm still afflicted. I'm still a slave. I'm still here. I don't want to be here. I don't know this woman. I'm married to her. I'm in this position that I have to be in, and nothing is happening the way I envisioned it. Nothing is going the way I thought it would. I have these two boys, and I can't even pass on a blessing to them because I'm now called a god, an Egyptian god, and I'm married to an Egyptian priestess, and I I just did not see this happening like this. And how many of you, in all honesty, Feel that I really didn't see my life turning out like this, and I just I just count my blessings where I am. It's it's okay. I'm all right. You know I'm I'm fine. I, I don't want to think about it anymore. I'm okay. Right? Well, I mean, you know, God is good. He is good, and and we kind of become apathetic. We kind of don't have passion about it anymore. We don't pray about it anymore. We don't want to believe God anymore. We don't want to trust God anymore. We don't want to give our all towards that vision and that dream anymore because at this point, we just gone through so much. It's it's okay. It's I'm 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 good with it. But are we? Are we conceding to the situation? Because it appears to me, quite possibly, that Joseph was feeling. Like he was needed to concede. It just it definitely things change. I want to show you that the, the last thing I want to look at is chapter forty three and verse thirty. Okay? I'm gonna sum it up and say Joseph wept. Here's what it says. Joseph made haste for his bowels to did yearn upon his brother, who after he saw Benjamin for the first time, um, after, you know, as a, as a man. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. This, I think, is one of the most powerful turns in Joseph's story. We see all the things that happened to him. We see everything that that, that went on, everything that took place. But what I did not see, what we did not see happen is Joseph crying about it. When his brothers turned on him, even when his father, you know, felt insulted and, and, you know, chided him for it, he didn't cry. When his brothers threw him into a pit, He didn't weep. When his family members, including his cousins, sold him into slavery, he did not weep and cry. Was he upset? Of course he was. Did it hurt him? I'm sure. But what I'm noticing here, through slavery, through prison, through being hated by his family, even when he's now stuck in Egypt, and he's married to someone that he doesn't even know. And he's got these kids who just remind him of what he can never really have. He starts to concede, or so it seems, by what he named his children. If we can see it from this side. But then he sees his youngest brother. He sees the only other child of his mom. His only full-blooded brother. And he waits. He waits. And I just, you know, when God showed this to me, you know, I just thought, wow, how many of us, as soon as something bad happens, or we get news that we don't like, or something upsets us, we're just going to a a state of misery, and we. We barely stick our heads up to come out of it, but he waited until he met that destiny, until that dream, that vision came to pass, and then he wept. Then the, the his vows, the Bible says, yearned inside of him. He couldn't contain it any longer. He had been holding on, standing strong, going forth all that time until he almost couldn't take it anymore, and finally... Finally, the vision came to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, you have got to hold on to what God has shown you in your heart. That dream to be a parent, that dream to have children, that dream to raise, you know, your leaders for the kingdom of God. Don't let that go. Don't let the circumstances, whether they are physical, financial, or whatever it is, hereditary things, don't let any of that stand in the way. We saw how Joseph's life just went from bad to worse to awful to just it couldn't get any lower. But the day came where the vision did come to pass. And your day is coming. You've got to hold on. Hold on to your tears until then. Don't spend time crying about what things look like. Don't every month you know you get a a change in your body and you see that you're not expected, don't don't cry about it. Don't cry about it. Keep praising God because the vision will come to pass. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You're going to see exactly what God showed you and what he told you. You just have to make a decision to conduct yourself with excellence. Throughout every step of the way between now and then, and when then comes, you can go ahead and cry, but they will be tears of absolute joy. Amen. Well, I I, I want to pray for you, for so Lord, I pray for each of these dear souls who are listening in on this call and who are watching this periscope. Lord bless them. I pray, Lord God, tonight that this word has given them hope that no matter how Bad things look, appear, or sound. You are still God, and you and you alone will bring it to pass. There is only so much that we can do, but we will not give up on you. We will do all we can, but we know that you will finish it all because you're the author and the finisher of our faith, oh God. You were the author of it. You are the one who created the vision in us. You are the one who gave us that desire in our hearts. And you will also finish it because you're the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You began the good work in us, and you are faithful enough, oh, God, to complete that work in us. So I pray for all those, oh, God, who are listening, watching, hoping. And I pray, oh, God, that you show them that you're with them. Remind them of the vision. And help them, Lord God, to be strong so that they won't let go no matter what. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we pray this prayer blessing over them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you have any questions, any questions at all, you can put it on the screen. You can put it up on the, the chat window of the computer. If you want to email me privately, my email is sincere at sincereministries.org, and please, please, please download our new uh, Sincere Ministries app. You can go to Google Play to download it. It's an app. It will keep you connected with all of our uh, classes, our discipleship groups, our uh, seminars, everything that God has us doing, as well as our resources, our books, uh, everything, everything you need to stay connected is in the Sincere Ministries app. So please download it. Please share this this periscope. And I think that's it. You all have a great night. Until next Thursday at eight PM. God bless and thank you for joining me tonight.